This conversation was with Matt Garrett. Uh, some people you just really resonate with and you can just tell that everything they're saying is completely authentic, real. Uh, there's no agenda to what's being said. And Matt is one of those guys, not here to sell anything. He's not here to say anybody's right or wrong even how they think and how they act in the world. Uh, really enjoy talking to him. He, he goes into his story as well, which is uh, good for context. A lot of the time when people are trying to put things together in their own mind when they've had a, an awakening of sorts. So uh, love talking to him. Uh, please let me know how you found the conversation in the comments below. Enjoy. Matt Garrett, thank you for joining me. Uh, I first saw you with Angelo DeLulo, I think it was. Uh, you had a conversation with him maybe eight months ago or something. Uh, having listened to Angelo for, for quite a while, it was it's refreshing to see some of the conversations that he has with people uh, along this line of, of thinking, as it were. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Can you maybe give a, a bit of a backstory about, um, you know, what what happened to you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, firstly, with Angelo, before I go into the backstory, yeah, I, I guess, um, let's get a, a little bit before that. I, I know it sounds weird, but I really do not like talking about just the, the story part of it, but yeah. I've, I've realised how much people get out of the context because if they can resonate with any of it, I remember looking at other people's and thinking, this is actually really helpful for this certain thing. So I've, I've learned to kind of let that down in a way. That's why there's no kind of awakening story on my channel, but eventually I will do, do a long video on that. But um, yeah, just just a just a deep um, deep sense of something's not right. I think I always change change the word of what the feeling was when you were young, but the feeling that something was less of a negative thing. Even I'd say something was more. There was something more out there. I think it's really easy to keep saying something was wrong there was so much suffering all of this thing and i i, I realized i come across so negative in that way but what this flip side of that coin was there's something more in life there's something that i'm not looking at that we, a lot of the seven billion of us aren't looking at that is distorting what reality is and whatever this reality is at first it seemed like more and then i realized what this more was was a complete dissolution of everything that i thought i was everything that then I thought the world was because if I vanished, so did the world. And all that was left was this kind of emptiness of knowing of clarity. But up until that point, there was just this, something's not right. And something needs to be looked into. And I don't know about you, but I went down a trail of constant self-help. It was as if I needed to improve this self. You know, I didn't even look into the self. I just thought this self needs to improve, whether it's, yeah. I think it started with sport. I remember being absolutely, uh, enthralled by sport I would take it to the edge I I was traveling I've never said this before but I was in a football team called Portsmouth I was traveling down there three to four times a week um, I got to the point where I took in sport as far as I could at that age and I just didn't want to go any further because I saw that it wasn't it was a dead end in happiness that it, it never provided that you know when you've you've got like an orange in your hand but you can never quite taste it there's never that satisfaction and so i I remember bringing that into like all these avenues. The next was like school and maybe I can get a degree in acad academia and then, and then it was relationships and not, not in a chronological, chronological order, but there was all of this dead ending. And eventually I got to spirituality. With spirituality, unfortunately, I took the same striving into spirituality. Yeah. Um, I say unfortunately, but that was the one thing that woke me up the quickest was this striving. But the word unfortunately I use is because it was the very striving which uh kept the seeking going and i was striving striving and and i went all the way to the edge of spirituality where i, where I just almost i was making insights but they, they were still insights on behalf of the self is i have this experience i i i i and then i realized it was the i that was the issue and for the first time ever i think it was ramana mahashi's video someone reading out his thing i remember coming across it um and I'm just going, I, 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 there's something about this I, because I think that the spirit, the, the who I was, was so worn out of following all of this that I just turned around and just kept being so um, 
interested who this I was where where is this me could I find it anywhere because I'm, I'm constantly trying to act on its behalf speak on its behalf do things in the world become better but I could never actually find the person that was doing all of these things so when I actually looked for the one that was even doing all of these things but the productivity the the self-help the self-inquiry even at one point I couldn't find that one and then then that overtook this need to improve the self basically got replaced with can I find the self and I could never find it and eventually I realized that it wasn't anywhere um anywhere I looked I couldn't find the subject of experience I could only find um the knowing of it or there's so many different phrases you can use I could only find knowing I could only find awareness where you know I could never be aware of anything without consciousness being present um and then it just slowly started to realize that yes i had an awakening and so many people can it's very very doable for anyone in this lifetime when i say doable in quotations and then all the the suffering catches up with you and you basically have to turn back to life and go through all of that um which in my experience is the most fruitful thing i've ever i've ever done that's ever unfolded in me and now that there's this kind of fearlessness about life where before it was very much here's my haven of spirituality i can retreat to on my mat and but now it's taking it back to the world and there's this almost love and appreciation for the fearlessness aspect of enlightenment because it's not about bliss i think it's about being open to everything so in a very um vain nutshell there's <laughs> my uh story if you like up yeah until yeah now. so the suffering drove you towards uh self-development um yeah spirituality and all, all these other things uh how deep did you go into the self-development world was it like you know the tony robbins he typed rah-rah stuff or was it uh more productivity i think you used the word and yeah so when i actually think about self-help now i'd say there's an overlap between spirituality and self-help mm -hmm. so i never went down the route of kind of self-help in terms of i see a lot on i guess there was on fitness there was a lot of i used to be quite big i've lost a lot of weight and i used to really go for it and i was building something myself you know trying to attain there's nothing wrong with bodybuilding but when i put my happiness in it there was this kind of thing and self-help for me really i could probably call it spirituality but self-help spirituality it was like mindfulness um which is great it's not really self-help these are good things but i was looking for the truth in that and the truth wasn't in that it just pointed to the truth so i was looking at the finger that was pointing to the truth and thinking that the mindfulness the uh, i remember doing even emotional work i would do in order to feel better and it was just this kind of self-help um maybe even charisma stuff like trying to become more charismatic um, there's a channel called charisma on command and i remember re watching it to try and be better with others friends relationships definitely intimate relationships was a thing for me because i've had obviously girlfriends since 16 15 and in so much insecurity so much validation and security are in relationships and i realized this is an opportunity to awaken in these and i would try and become a better self in these relationships and i realized the only thing to ever create lasting not even lasting just deep relationships was to lose the self in the relationship but i was always trying to become a better bigger stronger funnier self and that just had to give way and when you say give way was that over a period of time in in the form of insights and revelations do you feel yeah yeah it's like um so you're in you're in a movie and the whole time you think you're tom cruise and you're going out trying to be or james bond let's call it james bond because we're in england <laughs> You're James Bond, you're going around, you, you really think you're James Bond. So you, even James Bond's been shown in the recent movies to be this insecure man at times, and that's why I love it. And he's slowly starting to dawn on him that he's trying to be this person. And that becomes so heavy, so, so much struggle in having to put on this persona. Eventually, James Bond might turn around and ask himself, who am I really? Am I Daniel Craig or am I James Bond? Am I this... I, even Rupert Spira, this reminds me going to this metaphor, Rupert Spira has a, another one with like Macbeth, but it's really true that it's not that you, James Bond, overcome having to do these things. You just see that you're not James Bond. So everything he was trying to do, all the characters, all the storylines, all the missions become so irrelevant because you're not that person. Mm. It's like in a video game, it's not that you overcome the missions, you just see that you're not the character. You're all the pixels on the screen. So you lose interest in in the fears, the missions, all of this stuff. Mm. Yeah, and 
from from this experience, it's like I conceptually understand what's been said, right. um, and I've had fleeting moments of that sensation, if you like, for the lack of a better term. But it, the the bottom hasn't fallen out. Right. That's what it feels like, and uh, I guess that where I'm going here is that I I run a business or two, and uh, that takes up a lot of time and energy. Mm. And sometimes in my own mind, I'm going, is there a dedication that needs to happen to get somewhere? Or do you just continue with activities and just allow life to unfold? Are you with yeah. It's really important to not get trapped in the, I can't do anything in the world stage. The, I need to retreat to a cave and do, I, some of the most realized people I know have businesses are, uh, you know, you don't want to say their names, but they're very high profile. In some cases, they're very, some of them are psychiatrists, these things with all these careers they've mm -hmm. taken. And usually the trait of someone that wake up, of course, anyone can wake up, but usually people who are very driven in the world, um, very, I mean, Angelo's a doctor. I mean, the, yeah. to, to be able to do this, you, you don't drop it. You just, if anything, I remember Andrew saying he couldn't have gone, gone through medical school without this this slow interest in, in dropping away because it's so heavy. Um, mm. Same with me. I couldn't have gone anywhere in my in my career without this because I would be so wrapped up in my own head. So they, they go hand in hand. And you, and you realize with business, for example, they almost flourish off and things start to flourish, not just business, all these things because there's less attachment to it. Mm. you see like it's almost as if like krishnamurti said on his deathbed it's not that you don't care about anything you don't do anything you just don't mind yeah it's not minding that okay the business might fail but i'm not going to die i'm not going to just be on you might be on the streets but even on the streets you won't die it's, it's this attitude of everything's okay um and there's a funny thing that happens usually when you're completely surrendered what you really need to happen does happen even if that's the business failing it might mean that you actually need to be pointing in the right direction so there's just this complete detachment from outcome is one phrase I'd say. Yeah. And and that like be detached from outcome, that's banded about quite a lot in the personal development space. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I like, don't usually mean that. Yeah. No, and that that's the subtle difference. Uh it's a lot of it is, in my opinion, a lot of new age BS, to be honest, like uh <laughs> law of attraction type stuff. Yeah. Uh the secret and all that. But uh you know what you think about you bring about and i just go no nah that's just not it you know yeah. um and, and i'm always i do a bit of coaching work as well i'm always conscious of people falling down that path uh where they, they, they can sit on a settee and think about things and then all of a sudden there there's a few yeah. zeros in their bank account mm. um <clears throat> so your work life now matt how do you feel it's been affected by this awakening yeah so um I don't want to say too much that could be like candy for the mind and stuff that's quite polarizing and um, black and white. Like if you do this, do that. But what I've seen is over the, especially with, I say it's funny because with awakening, there was this retreat from life because I, I needed that quiet. I needed that peace to really investigate who I was because I'd been in noise for so long, the noise of striving, the noise of being, trying to be someone that, this quietness wasn't the quietness as an aversion to life. It was the quietness that was needed for the self to really show itself, this illusion to show itself. So imagine like you had, you're in a room, it's so noisy and there's a ticking somewhere in the room, like a ticking clock. And if you carried on with life, you'd never find the, the root of the problem, the ticking clock. I let everything go down and there it was, the ticking in the corner, the sense of self. But if I was still going on with life, still trying to strive, it would just be like, oh, there it is, the glimpses, the glimpses. I just let everything go really, really, really quiet. Who am I? Was the question. Am I really located inside the body? Mm. What was my face looking like before I was born? Who was I before my parents were born? Am I, am I really bounded to the skin? Am I just a, a meat sack? All these questions, like where's the boundary to myself, were asked in this silence. And the answers started to reveal themselves, not as like things, but in the dissolving of the questions, because because I couldn't find myself, the answers now didn't make sense. Because I was trying to answer on behalf of Matt, but I couldn't find Matt anywhere. So mm -hmm. we're back to that analogy of the questions dissolving. 
Yeah. Give us an example. Could you give us an example there? Of what? So a question that might arise. I remember sitting with this one question for uh, weeks, months, even. I come back to things anyway, just to tap in and w- where am I located in the body was was so good because that almost gave way to no self because I would go to the very particle I thought it was. And it's that old saying of anything that you can be aware of can't be you. Like, if you can the netty netty anything i can be aware of must be an object not the subject you know like a camera lens if you look through the camera lens anything in the camera shows it can't be the lens because it's so i tried to find the lens everywhere this the apparent subject i went all the way up until behind behind the head and then i realized even the particles where i thought i was this little man hearing seeing tasting smelling touching but mainly the heady senses where i thought it was hitting me i tried to find that very particle in the brain anywhere that it was and that was also aware of so i realized i must be maybe one back or and i realized i was the awareness in which everything was um mm. I, I was aware of everything but i couldn't be aware of myself that, that, mm. if that makes sense i guess uh some of the more let's let's call it esoteric type traditions would suggest that maybe the the seat of the soul for the lack of a better term would be in the uh pineal or would be in some gland or something do, do you have like a and again i don't want to cause a black and white type thing as you mentioned there but like why that isn't the case like an evidence against that yeah i suppose yeah like because because i could sit here in front of let's say an occultist type guy who mm. does magic and that type of thing yeah. and it suggests that there's a soul and that soul is seated in the pineal mm. or the pituitary pituitary gland or something like that and I listen to that and I go, well, yeah, maybe it sounds good and it sounds all mystical and lovely, but I don't know, is there anything there to, to, yeah. to produce a reality from that? I would say I could come out and say there are 24 gods hovering above my head. <clears throat> and that at this point, both of us have equal evidence for what you're talking about, penal gland. Mm. We both, is my word against yours. Mm. So what I would then say is I can only say for sure that's in my experience. I can only say what's for sure, what what is true if I can actually experience it. Like the Buddha said, don't take my word for it. What what is true in experience? And I say to them, if they were saying to me, your soul's in the, that gland, I'd say, okay, let's prove it. I don't think that'd be possible to prove. However, I could prove no self. Whereas, can you locate yourself? Um, if you if you really refer to yourself as the body, how come when you know if you chop off chop off your arm, where are you located? All these things, it doesn't really so much become a point of I'm right, you're wrong. It's more just like no, let's compassionately, gently investigate this truth, mm. and this becomes very much the the intersection of science because especially males were not to categorize people, but I see a lot of analytical males that want you know proof, 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 whereas. You know, you get female skewed people, even male. I'm, I'm very female skew, skewed in this. I'm very feel it out and not so analytical. So it's nothing to do with that. But with the skew, they can feel and don't need all this evidence and this proof. But if I'm dealing with someone that dealing with someone, if I'm helping someone that's uh, analytical, I'll say, yeah, let's make this into a science experiment. Mm. You're saying all this, uh, uh, not you, but I'm saying to them, if they're saying to me all this soul stuff, I'll say, no, let's go into direct experience, just like science does, because science is theory-based. Let's also make this theory-based, because then we've covered both sides. Mm. And none of this kind of astral stuff, which all has some substance to it, doesn't really point to the root, which is in evidence of direct experience. Can I find a self? Can I find separation? Can I find limitation? I mean, I've never found a boundary to myself. That was a, that was my second question after the location of myself was, can I find a boundary to myself? And I could never. Mm. So, yeah. So expand on that a bit. You can't find any boundary. I mean, I've heard that spoken about. Uh, do you mean mm. in terms of uh, awareness there, there's no there's no distance in, in, the, uh, in the visual field? Is that what you mean? Yeah. I'd say we'll start off what why do we feel bounded um to start with because when you're born there's no sense of boundaries there's no sense that you're even located like when a newborn baby's in the world they literally are open-eyed they have no idea they've even got a body below them until they look in the mirror when they're four three or four when they start to realize who they are in the mirror i think it's like two i don't know what it is um but then we're told when we start to hear words and stuff that you are your name, you are this, you are this, you belong inside the body, because it's just conditioning. We, we're playing this this role. We're taught 
in reception year one year two or whatever grades you call it america but you are located here and here and it's as if you take that on without even questioning it because everyone else is believing it but then it, it gets you to a stage of suffering so much that someone might ask well can we question this bound this boundary like you said today you went into the senses which is really good even the senses like peripheral vision you can never find a boundary to peripheral vision it's not that we don't find ourselves that we just don't find this located boundary thing mm. but i would say the main thing that made me feel boundless because yeah you can see that the site goes on forever but you might still feel contracted like i'm here and my mm. site's going forever and this was in the bodily sensations the because let's be honest where where is suffering it's not really in the eyesight it's, it's in the body the, the sense of the body how i perceive my sensations below the neck really is where a lot of motion a lot of c- contraction is so I took that to the body. Can you find a boundary to the body? Can I find, because if you go into sensations, there really isn't a line around it. There's just a thought that there's a line because for 20, 30, 40 years, you've thought there's a line around your sensations of the body, but really they kind of seep into the, the edge of experience. Even the density, if you're going to the density of each sensation, you never really find any kind of solidity. It, there's a sense like there's definitely pockets where you thought oh, no that, that's really painful that's really dense you go into it but like a fish that's going into other fish it kind of disperses when you really look for this density even feet on the floor bum on the chair there's just a slowing down of energy which makes it seem like the solidity and there never was when i've investigated anyway and this comes back to this direct investigation of the senses mm. uh, so yeah that kind of unraveled the conditioning that i was one bounded to had some solidity solidity to me and in this sensation there was identity and i couldn't find any so, so you couldn't find any right so intellectually are you are you sort of considering yourself right i can't find anything therefore this must be mm. the case or is it more like an energetic movement if you like like a nervous system yeah. happening i'd say completely energetic because right you're trying to transcend the intellect that's telling because the intellect can't say yes to this it can only say no mm. you know so it's like you're basically proving your intellect wrong with this showing that the intellect can never really the intellect's always trying to work things out and it and it's based on the route that you are dense solid and bounded to the body so it can't so what you're saying is okay intellect you're saying this the intellect can almost turn on itself by looking for this evidence that it that it refers to and you can't find it so it kind of has this weird effect of um mm. you don't ever trust your intellect you don't ever you stop trusting your intellect because you realize it's based on illusion yeah but a useful tool because i think that's another yeah. trap as well of people is they're sort of just completely mm. oh rationality no need to be rational that's a waste of time yeah and that's- it's like having a friend that you're with and you know, at some points, he's really useful, and he actually you keep <laughs> keep him with you because he can sometimes get you out of trouble. But you don't trust him. Yeah. Sometimes he turns on you. Yeah. So you kind of keep him at a kind of you watch him at all times, and you realize that he has some use to him, and he really is sometimes quite a funny guy. Yeah. But he's also um, based. He's completely deluded. He doesn't know what he's talking about at times. Mm. So you never trust the bad things he says. And then he kind of never really says much bad stuff at all because you don't really ever listen to him. You know how Alan Watts says, you know, if you leave, the best way to calm a muddy puddle is just to leave it alone. It's the same with with your friend called the mind. If you if you don't talk to him, he doesn't talk back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people who might suffer with what's labelled as depression, anxiety, uh, OCD, these other type of things. What would yeah. you say to those guys who are basically saying that their mind is like just running the show and, and they yeah. feel awful and whatever? Well, I'd firstly say that I've had all three um, to the point of psychiatrists and therapists. And um, I'd say, first of all, I get the question, can you wake up with a mental illness? Of course. I think everyone's mentally ill to start with, but a lot of yeah, people are true. a lot more mentally ill. So I understand the question of like that as well. Um Oh, I forgot what your question. What would you say to them? Yeah, I would just say, if anything, if you if you can see it as this is always an opportunity, even in the midst of suffering, you might. It's very easy to label things as anxiety, depression, OCD, and I, I would say, you know, come away from the labels just for a bit. Yeah, obviously, we need labels to be able to give medicine where it's needed. There's definitely room for everything here: therapy, medicine, yeah, sure, as tools. But this will just trim the branches of the tree of suffering. You know, a pill is never going to give you the root. 
which is I know a guy he's on Facebook and um he's got like schizophrenia he was in he was sectioned but he's had a deep realization and he started to stabilize after that so it shows you that you know this goes hand in hand and it's, it's not one or the other in fact I think people probably wake up quicker sometimes with this because they're suffering so deep that they need to see truth mm. over being, point. you know mm. you said at the beginning that you went back into suffering I think you correct me if I'm wrong, but like you went down, the, this process happened, and then you went back into the pain from the past. Could you expand yeah. on that a little bit? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because it was definitely the pain came back, but it wasn't that I went back to the pain. The pain caught up with wherever I was. Right. Because what I've come to realize and what Angelo kind of taught me, which I then didn't really believe at the time but then had to believe was that awakening really was a big bypass of everything just for a moment to be able to wake up it's not a bypass in a bad way it's needed to get breakthrough out of mind and this is why you get a lot of people come onto youtube like i've had an awakening you see a lot of people like i'm i'm awake but there's something slightly off with them mm. i don't know if you ever mm. sense that there's, a, there's maybe something cold about them there's maybe something maybe their comments are angry i, I don't know what it is but you realize that people have awakening out of mind but then everything that they've broken away from disidentified the energy is almost still compressed down in the body it's like the body has momentum to it like a train like just because you let's say we're traveling 100 miles an hour on a steam train and i had an awakening i cut the fuel the train doesn't just stop it just kind of starts to coast so the suffering that the sense of self carries on for a bit of time mm. and this is this is what i love i think it's roger costello says awakening is spontaneous like awakening truly really is grace but then the integration is gradual the integration you have some kind of orientation towards you can really start to clarify uh refine mm. integrate um go back to the world with creativity you live the rest of your life through love and detachment and it's a detachment in a way that's so intimate with life though it's not detached from life it's detached from preference mm. that's the most crucial thing because i used to think detachment was oh you're cold you're aloof you're yeah. you don't care but the most beautiful open people i ever sat with and been in their presence i knew for a fact from the energy that they just didn't mind what i thought of them what was happening next what what the world was what was he i remember you know you know john butler i've seen you've interviewed sure. him yeah, yeah. I, I love i visit him a few times i think four or five times now um maybe less but um i love visiting him and phil phil is wonderful as well um but firstly john's one of these guys where you sit in his presence and there's just this presence of openness i wouldn't even call it like this fiercely loving it's it's almost like this gentle I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. And he once got in trouble because he did come out with a video that was something about like showing this complete love of like, I don't mind about a certain situation. I can't remember what it was, but people got triggered by it because no, you should care about this. You should care about that. Mm. It could have been something to do with, with, a, with something going on in the world, but it's very true that you do realize that even though people want to help things, the best thing you can do is actually go into this kind of detachment from outcome. And in that detachment from outcome is usually going to be the most efficient way to tackle whatever relative problem is there anyway. So he taught me this detachment, this love that you can have while still being so intimately with experience, mm. you know, like, like, okay, this is a quite a good example. If you're English, if you're about to take a penalty and you're at Wembley and there's 90,000 people, are you more likely to hit a good penalty if you're there on your own in the park or if there's 90,000 people there, I think it's more likely for me to score a top, left corner if i just just be by myself with no cares in the world of course yeah so it's this kind of detachment from outcome yeah 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 completely agree i, I play quite a lot of squash i was a footballer yeah. but i was playing professional sports and my body just wasn't having any of it so i ended up playing squash now and uh this morning i was playing a he's an older guy i only played to keep him fit to be honest uh, <laughs> and uh i was playing and he effing and blinding at himself you know and i went just stop fucking thinking. Just give it 10 seconds. Don't think yeah. and just play. And it was so much better by just trying to just relax a little bit. Stop thinking about winning points and all this. Just play the game. Yeah. Exactly. Big difference. You know, I think yeah. that's what the, what the personal development type industry would also call like flow state. Yeah. When the mind isn't constantly judging itself and, and having a huge input. Um, so 
Matt, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, creativity that you mentioned there. Um, I have a, let's call it a belief that creativity is, is, for the lack of a better term, that of, of divinity or God or whatever, that is sort of a manifestation using humanity and nature as a, as a process of creation. Um, what do you, how do you define creativity? Yeah, I'd say um, I agree firstly that it really is just something using you as a, as a channel for sure mm. um creativity it really it's like it's my whole job so it, it's it's really nice to see it happen and manifest through you and it only happens through you can't redefine it what you can say is what happens and i think what happens with creativity it really is when when you get out of the way something unfolds whether that's and let's not keep this to just art you know like uh because i'm filmmaking this is a very obvious one with creativity or, or painting or music they're very obvious but there's creativity in business when when steve steve jobs for example strategizes or or even someone even more analytical like um bill gates he had einstein he even said when i got out of the way something consciousness revealed something so let's not i'm very hes hesitant to keep creativity because then the people that aren't creativity shut off like art mm. art but really creativity things usually come to you for scientific theories if you're a scientist if you're a musician of course songs just chords play out elton john would just play something it goes through him mm -hmm. I remember bob dylan saying when he got to like 60 70 it just stopped flowing because maybe something contracted he went back or whatever but um yeah that's that's to me is creativity is just things happening through you yeah and concentration as well i think it's quite similar to that uh, you can have like forced concentration and like effortless concentration where yeah. there's no there's no actual thinking about what's going on it's just yeah life happening there and then yeah for sure whereas uh, i don't know if you do you know cal newport have you ever read that book uh deep work mm -hmm. and that's like set four hours aside a day and, and and just put everything else aside and just focus on that and i'm just thinking that's so ah, tight yeah. and clunky you know the only thing I'd say is that really does work for certain people, but we're so, we're so hooked up differently. Mm. I've known people that have, have had awakenings through art. Like if they were to sit down and meditate, they'd be resisting. It would be so against how they're hooked up that they don't need to look in those places. The places they need to look is what the art is trying to tell them. Or if someone's, you know, let's say someone's really into business and they're, all their fears are in the business world. The the sense of validation, security from money really is usually what sometimes people are into with business. And I would say if someone had to leave the business and go and meditate, they'd be running away from all their fears. So to play out the role of that character and face the fears and work through them is so much more efficient than going on the medicine mat. We're going to have to go through all the fears of business anyway in your own head. Mm. So it's like the best advice from Andrew I ever got was just the quickest way to enlightenment is a life well lived because your life is going to be the most challenging in whichever way you're already going which is good because if you were then to go into someone else's life where you don't really care so much the fears aren't really in there like uh, let's say you were doing business for example and that's where all your passion is and to, to get through that and to, to take that to the edge would be to go through with it but if you were to just drop that like i just just said then it would be kind of an aversion mm. like an avoidance mechanism yeah just just balance obviously like what i said earlier about having that quiet time as well to look in but have the quiet time while facing everything that you're going in that direction you know yeah that's cool yeah uh, i think people look at a lot of the eastern mysticism and stuff and yeah. and do that i see i've got good friends who um they were good very good entrepreneurs and a lot of that's just been dropped because uh they've sort of gone down this hinduism buddhism mm. type path and and i talked to them and they, they seem unhappy that they had to stop uh, yeah and i was like you didn't need to stop it's just uh you know you've read a few books and sort of yeah believe what's been said you know yeah, I would say if, if Buddha was walking around now, he'd have a laptop, he'd have Wi-Fi, <laughs> he'd have a YouTube channel, he'd have, he'd probably love playing squash. Like we, we, we take someone sat in a robe, if I was sat in a robe back then, of course, I wouldn't be able to do all these things like business and stuff and art and, and film, or maybe art, but different types of that. Yeah. So we're trying to live like them. 
but they were telling us in their messages to live like you are which is now 2022 you know like mm. it's a version to try and mimic the way that they are because if they were here they wouldn't be in robes they'd be in suits or t-shirts and be surfing and going on the internet and making videos so it's like have a bit of common sense sometimes like i'm not usually like aggressive with a message but i'm like it's so common sense that you don't have to be like them in their actual characteristics, but you can take their their pointings to surrender and inquiry into your own already life. Like, I mean, look at me, look at Andrew. He's, he's still a doctor. He's, he just has no attachment to that identity of being a doctor. If anything, in my filmmaking, it's exploded in terms of what I've been able to do in terms of who I'm working with, all these things, because there's no attachment to outcome. And people can sense that in me when I'm working with them. They book me again because... There's no, you can you you can always sense when you're with someone that there is that attachment because it's like grab 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 in the business world especially. And when you meet someone that's not like that, it's quite attractive. Especially when I meet someone that doesn't want something from me, it just it's attractive. It really is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm in real estate and I, I tend I have to raise a lot of capital, and some it seems to work both ways with me. Uh, where it, I was on the phone to a guy this morning and it's like, listen, pal, if it's not going to fit, that's perfectly fine, man. It makes no difference. And it, he was like coming back at me and saying, oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, no, honestly, it's okay. It yeah. doesn't matter. And he was coming back, coming back, yeah. coming back. Whereas other people tend to think, oh, it's a bit laxadaisical. I think it doesn't, you know, can can you compile a hundred page document? And I'm just like, no, no, I can't compile a hundred page document. So yeah. it won't work, which is fair enough, you know. But yeah. I, I, it seems to work both ways with me. And maybe that's the, 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 uh, business industry I'm in where there's a lot of money raised and sold and, and whatever else yeah. uh, completely get where you're going though. So you're filmmaking. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're a, a, a creative arty type of guy. Did you go to uni and do all that? I went to the university of Leicester and I studied business management uh, and I attended about three lectures. But <laughs> I, got, I got a degree, um, had a good time, barely, cared about the actual degree because I started building my filmmaking career at first year uni, doing it all for free. And then it took off. Um, I was lucky to, to get it going at uni because when I left uni, it was already at a place that firstly we had lockdown, so I could almost hone the skills a bit more. And then as I came out of lockdown, I had enough clients to kind of go freelance, which was lucky for me. Oh, good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. Um, and I guess that in terms of this, this, uh, the way you see the world, um, that must be very liberating to to have that freedom to be self-employed um, yeah. rather than being tied to an office nine to five, right? Yeah, it was this sense of at first, like, I could sense the risk. I could sense the lack of security in that kind of job. And then you realise the grass is always greener with jobs. It always is. And then you realise if I can start to work with this and fall in love with this insecurity and you realise you feel so alive in a job like this. You feel so, it's not like, where's my next paycheck coming? Because you, you're working up to a state of your, you, every job you're working on, it's becoming more passionate. And even people that have more nine to fives, there's nothing wrong with it because then you're tapping something else. It's not so much insecurity, it's maybe something else. So it's like, I'm now working with the most amazing people, uh, clients and stuff that it's just, what I thought that enlightenment would be, would be a complete detachment retreat from all of that. What I've seen is everything that I thought enlightenment was, was wrong. And it meant that I could go back into the world without attachment and have these relationships with people that are, I love to disregard relationships. Like there's nobody here. There's no relationship. It's it's more, you see through each self and in, in that you can have relationships where they're not on, based on validation and approval. They're based on authenticity, you know? Mm. And, and that's what I started to realize. And even when you're making money in especially real estate, there's nothing wrong with money. You just become detached from the outcome and lo and behold, usually the most richest people on earth. Yes. A lot of them are driven to get that money, but yeah. at the same time, they start to realize that even when they get richer and richer, they exponentially grow when they sort of lose their attachment to that money. Mm. You know, so it's the same with filmmaking. I've the only clients I've ever, got on really is when I wasn't expecting it. I didn't really try for it. I just kind of let it happen. Anyone can do that in their jobs. Mm. You mentioned enlightenment there. And I think a lot of people get the idea that enlightenment is sort of the end stage. It's like, right, done. 
Yeah. Do you perceive that to be the case, or do you think there's like, let's say, levels to it? I'd say enlightenment step one, and I'd say, as in like, it takes everyone years or whatever to enlightenment to me now is such a silly concept because it's like everyone's made of gold and we're all looking for gold. So when someone says you're enlightened or you're made of gold, I feel like saying, so are you, you just don't believe it. (laughs) You know, there's nothing different between anyone. It's just, I believe I'm made of gold. You don't, or not you, but like this person that doesn't. Mm. Um, And then in that recognition of that, that there is no self or this, it's then aligning all of your, behavior all of your ways of moving in the world your emotional traumas from lifetimes even come to the surface to be reviewed because now that you can see no self you've been bitten by the bug of enlightenment that you have to now face everything that's telling you you're not so the self image in relationships the jealousy in with your girlfriend the um fear of losing your home the the fear of not providing money for whatever all of these things that are modern day problems are the root of the self in the world i think and that's what comes up to be looked at all the trauma from childhood you it is really you it's like all the animals running at you and no one there's not one person on earth that's woken up fully that hasn't been trampled by all the animals you have to go through that mm-hmm. like there's no way around it you know yeah the reason i ask you that uh, i think i heard you mention in a in a conversation that you had awakened to reality i think it was like a facebook page or something uh is that was that from this the seven stages of uh enlightenment i think it is uh that's the facebook page yeah i have heard of it i'm on, i am in that group i don't really look at any much but i know more through i think is it the 10 ox herding oh okay right yeah so, yeah, so yeah. there's all these different ones um and then you ride the ox and then, which is like going back and, and like actually riding out this enlightenment and things. I don't know much about it. I'm really bad at the theory of this, but, but, but in experience, it really is just, you can't leave any stone unturned in a way. Mm. And it's not that you go out and find them because trust me, as we all know, life will present suffering to you. Mm. You know, like if you sit in a room long enough, you will think a bad thought. And then it's in that bad thought that holds the key to freedom because there's something in that thought, that's something in that view that you're, not looking at in a way a kind of maybe a a resistance to that thought yeah. a sense of self in that thought and so if that sense of self comes up with you matt and in in a thought do you do you sit with that and just put awareness onto it or do you actively create a, a meditational mm-hmm. practice out of it yeah so first of all the sense of self is not something to be completely gone because for example people think the sense of self just drops away it does drop away you, because you see through it but in order for me to come on a Zoom call or to even respond to my name, of course, there's a fragrance of self. Yeah. There, there is for everyone. Otherwise, you just drop on the floor. So in in terms of if a sense of self comes up, it's more if there's a, a resistance to self. Let's say I have a thought, uh, uh, something in relationship. What, what are people usually like? Quite a universal thing is usually worrying about relationship, maybe, maybe worrying about their career. One of those two is quite a bulk of it. So there's a worry there. There's a there's a contraction. There's a there's a belief in that identity. Yeah. So when the when the identity arises, no problem. If an identity rises and I believe I am that identity, there's illusion. Mm. So it's just questioning: Am I that person? But also at the same time, I've realised a lot of identity is usually let go of, not by me having to actively investigate, but just surrendering, just not even trying to work it out. And I realised it was me trying to work it out, trying to practice that was causing the self to carry on. So some of the most profound dropping aways of self has, has been me just sat in an empty room, not even trying to get rid of anything. Mm. That yeah. Makes sense. yeah. And I think to a lot of people, me included quite often, it's like, I can't just not do anything about it. I've got to try and fix the problem. <laughs> Isn't it the most awful thing to have to try and let go of that? Yeah. And then, and then you, and then in my own mind, it turns into like neurotic and then it goes, Oh, no, no, leave it, surrender it. No, no, you can't just do that. And then it's just like a back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And I, I wake up sometimes. I have like uh, maybe a week where I wake up around half past three, four o'clock, and the mind is just going crazy in the middle of the night. And I just let it be there, you know, separate myself from it or whatever. And it's running around, running around, running around. And then it'll just completely pass after a week. And then it might come back after six months and it'll come back again, exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. and so oh, i thought i dealt with you yeah you know it's all a dealing thing isn't it yeah 
that there's this need, like especially in the Western world, especially with males in the Western world, to figure something out, to have a practice, to have a, a way out of suffering, a, a kind of nice little toolbox that you can go to every time that this comes back to decipher it up, chop it up, get it away. <laughs> but the most powerful tool I've ever had is this thing called, I now just name it agendaless listening. So there's no agenda to the moment because something in that moment, every time you try and fix something, you're basically speaking over it, whatever it's trying to tell you that you're not looking at. Let's say it's telling you the most piece of gold that this is not what you're looking at. This is what you're resisting, but you're too busy trying to figure it out, like fix it, do this thing. You've lost, you've basically lost the opportunity to waken up to that, whatever that is. Mm. So I realized if I, if I went against everything I've been taught, that you need to practice, you need to have a technique, you need to be on some kind of path. If I went against that, even though it caused the most panic in, in my life when I started doing it, it's like, can I sit here with no way out? Can I let myself be as trapped as I can? Can I have, like, you, you know, being out on a raft out to sea, can I let go of any kind of way to be safe? And at first I was panic, and I realized that was just a bodily sensation, a bodily reaction to like a tiger coming towards me, how I'd been trained all my life. And, and I realized if I sat that out, oh, I'm still here. I'm not being mauled by a tiger but I'm still here. So do I need to figure anything out? And I realized I started to trust the not figuring out over the figuring out. And eventually every time a problem comes up now, am I trying to figure it out? Yes. Oh, I'll just stop trying to figure it out. And it, and it passes and it passes and it passes. And eventually you live in not knowing mm. you live like that. Cause we we're so used to, let's say you can't sleep. We try and work away, sleep, 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 or anything. If you try and do anything, sometimes if you try too hard, you can't do it. And eventually you start to live like that. Yeah. Because you realize how painful it is doing that. Mm. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. You know, like psychotherapy and, and things like that. Um, there's such a vast array of things that you could probably put underneath that label now. But I look into the world and, and I perhaps see more so-called issues now than ever before. And it, it makes me question whether... Well, first, the validity of what's actually been said and, and the uh, techniques behind what's happening. But also, is it actually causing more of a problem than before what we... I mean, mm -hmm. we've only probably had psychotherapy for, let's call it, 100 years, maybe, maybe a bit more. Before that, would there be as many problems as we've got now? Mm. It makes me question whether that's it's actually a hindrance yeah. rather than a benefit. It's like the chicken or the egg. Like, is psychotherapy causing the problem or is that just trying to fix something that's coming to the surface by itself? Mm. and what i would say is if you had like a very calm sea you could go back to like the 70 i know throughout time we've had wars and all of this stuff but if you really analyze it like i like i say there's probably not the physical suffering of before but there's very much a psychological pandemic now isn't there there's 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 less mental illness back then there was there was famine and, and war suffering but now it's like a psychological and what i say is like a sea where all those years ago, it was, you know, there's calmness to the psychological. We were very set in our ways, of course, physical war, all of this stuff. But psychologically, we were very, weren't really trusting. We had religion, we could hang on to that. But now things are starting to come to the surface where I think it's neat, it's so needed for us to evolve. There needs to be this kind of, you know, when you, if you pop a spot or something, it's very hard for it to come out. Mm. And that moment is very tense, but then it's out. So consciousness is rising in that consciousness rising. It's come to the surface and all the waves are now getting all like this and people are waking up, waking up, waking up. And by waking up, you have to basically get out of all of this calmness, all of this security that we were in before. And it's causing all of this conflict because there's people, consciousness going up. There's, there's consciousness can be in the form of, you know, like, gender laws becoming more equal in terms of like how it was like women couldn't vote this mm. stuff all of this stuff that had to happen race all of these things and it causes conflict but not to go into the relative world with all the problems that come with the polit politics of it but really we are coming toward a landscape which is more equal more fair some may say too far in one ways which is absolutely fine but overall the conflict's there but people are waking up and we're so much more self-aware the consciousness is so much higher which causes this conflict between people so that's why I think it's not things are getting worse. Things are almost becoming more intense in order for us to evolve. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's an it's a, it's a alternative way of seeing it, a more expansive perception, perhaps. Um, yeah. I mean, the, 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 I have judgment, uh, rightly or wrongly. I'm not going to judge myself for having judgment. And mm -hmm. I just think, gosh, I don't know how people like 
the moan about things that completely yeah. unmoan aboutable. There's no point in moaning yeah. about it. Um, and I, I suppose it's, a, as I say, it's a judgment on my behalf. I'm not saying they're, they're right or wrong per se, but um, sometimes it makes me question, uh, maybe they're not, this isn't what we're talking about here, right? But um, you say that the people are waking up. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I look at the world. I don't know if that's a reality or not. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's very, it's very true. Sometimes people wake up, but then, or they're, they're becoming more conscious, but then they'll channel that into a kind of movement that is now going, and once retracting back, and they think they've had this big awakening, they have had some kind of awakening, let's not call it spiritual, but kind of, yeah. but then, you know, people don't go the full way, then they start getting into relative stuff and mm. take things too far in certain things. And mm. and pe what people do is they get sidetracked in the relative world. And if you stay on, on truth, you start to lose your interest in detachment, yeah. you go back to detachment. And then mm. all of this protesting, all these things, there's definitely room for protesting when things need to be protested. But really, there's still a lack of i mean you look at some of the most spiritually evolved people in the world they were like master the king they did it from love and all these things but you do get a lot of people today protesting for the sake of it to protect a self that doesn't yeah. exist to have an opinion just just to be able to argue with others and that's where the ego is that's the, that's the ego so i think to very clearly define what what true protesting is and what is quite a lot of the time ego driven just mm. to be able to have a conflict yeah yeah if i asked you to to tell me what truth is what would you say it's the thing looking out your eyes and and that that, that is such a wishy-washy answer but if we then go into what is truth and something to be digestible I'd say it's the, I used to listen to people say like, it's the only thing that can't be spoken about and be like, that's bollocks. And like, you can't say like, like what is truth? And I'm trying to put it in a way, because now I say that and I think yeah, I really do believe that because it really is, it is the silence. It is the gaps between thoughts. It is the sense of self. It is this, but what is truth? You, you, if you can get close, you could say, there's no self, there's no separation. All that there is, is consciousness. Um, there's no problems in the world apart from if we say there are. Mm. It, 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 I'm trying to make it more English and more, you know, less wishy-washy. Yeah, yeah. But really it's the one thing that can't be spoken about because the moment it's like, try, basically, if you were trying to describe truth, it's like trying to describe silence with words. The moment you start talking about it, you, you break that. So I would say the best thing to find truth is to, to sit with what is truth. And when your your need to know truth is bigger than your need to be comfortable, it does reveal itself. But it's so, something so that last sentence again, when your need to find truth is overtakes your need to be comfortable or happy, mm. the truth does reveal itself. Um, and it's kind of an, an energetic knowing. It's, it's a knowing that's beyond words. Because then when you try and describe it, you're back to mind. It's, it really is just, if I can put it into actual practical terms, it's the dissolution of the separate self. And as a byproduct, you know truth by seeing no self, really. Mm. Mm. Do you think that the psychedelic movement is is uh, beneficial for people yeah it's it's um definitely i've known people to i mean i used to i've taken about three tabs of acid before um lsd was always recreational never really i mean i had insights as in like but nothing i had context to nothing really that i couldn't have done without um insight and inquiry and people get sidetracked like like we talked about protesting and you're off into the land of drugs again and i would say quite quite quickly like alan watts said if you once you get the message hang up the phone why why keep why keep taking drugs if you've already got the message you know yeah it's true it's true um you've mentioned a couple of times in here i wanted to get this in before we finish uh you've mentioned lifetimes plurally a couple of times in this conversation um i've spoke to a few people on this topic over the last say six months or so and it seems very split 50 50 as to whether reincarnation is such uh, a thing can you you've said lifetime so i can only assume that you have a, a, a recognition of reincarnation can you expand on that 
Yeah, I would I would firstly separate reincarnation from lifetimes. I don't really have a belief in in like some kind of reincarnation where you get to a certain point you don't really it's more that I can sense this conditioning isn't just from this body mind. Every time something comes sometimes it's very obvious, like it's when a parent said this to me and you feel that feeling that you felt when you were younger and, and that's that thing. But sometimes you feel something which is kind of beyond the character. It's it's almost like the movement of humanity. You're feeling something that humanity feels um sometimes something will come and it's like this doesn't really relate to the, my body mind but i can feel it energetic it's always an energetic thing um i have no claim to know of previous lifetimes anything like that it's just an intuition that this is a conditioning from a lot of years right. in time whatever you want to call it this can't just be from the moment i was born because we, we're born into the world with conditioning so where is that conditioning from you know so it's this kind of realization that this feels, I know people, uh, a friend that was like, actually had a bit more of like, a, like glimpses into um, something about it, but I've never looked into it. I've never had an interest in past lives. So it's more about like what's now. So now if, if, if it comes up, I need to look into that and that's the next wherever. But this is like more just what's the conditioning that from it that is making me see the world differently now and, that, and that's all that's important to me. Mm. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'd spoke to Tim Cliss. I don't know if you know Tim. He said something like, no, it's just the ego's way of uh, trying to survive, basically, just to keep going and going <laughs> yeah. and going. You can definitely get fixated on it. That's yeah. why it, there's very little interest. It's more, mm. okay, there's people that have looked into it. Like Tim says, if you get fixated on that, then it becomes another avenue for ego to cause an identity of I am this 10 lifetime person and this is my last incarnate like no one gives a shit like <laughs> what 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 is causing suffering now and that that's all that's the issue yeah 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 who have been your influences uh along this path um david hawkins got me into emotion work uh rupert spira was self-inquiry angelo was pretty much everything and in between all that um and Adya Shanti was probably my um post-awakening guide really with with Angelo um Ganjaji, Lisa Cairns, Roger Castillo um I mean Eckhart Tolle was the guy that I read the book and that was got me into everything mm. um, and does that look like just consuming their information or does it look like sitting with them or very lightly the information I consumed it was more of a quality over quantity. It was like David Hawkins taught me one technique and I took that technique to the edge rather than reading all of his work, which is expansive and all this stuff was very much, you know, bits, bits, and then taking it. Cause I, I know the dangers of just reading, reading, which is great. But if you don't actually put that into practice, it's just knowledge that you now have to let, let go of, you know? Mm. So, um, but re reading is great. Honestly, if you're going to do anything, read, but, be careful to use reading as an aversion, basically. Yeah, it's a fair point. Mm. Mm. So, uh, Matt, we're coming up to an hour. Is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, I know you recently did a meditation, which was very good. I recommend people check that out. Have you got a website or anything? Yes. Yeah, um, I can't remember the website name, but I've got a YouTube channel. You can probably find it on there somewhere, just Matt Garrett. But um, mm. Yeah, I'm so I'm at, I'm in the process of recording because I've seen about hundred comments now asking for like full on meditation. So I'll do um I'm gonna set aside time to do basically like twenty to thirty long hour meditations that cover. I think I split up into inquiry, surrender slash emotion work, investigating the senses, and then off the cushion practices. I think is like what people really want. Like in the world, what can I look into? So I'm gonna split that up into four or five maybe put like three or four meditations in each one and release it on a website with some of the videos on YouTube and see what people um, relate to. And yeah, I think that kind of puts it into, cause there's so much like videos going out, let's put it into a structure and have a bit of that yin and yang, a bit of yeah, yeah. analytical, nice little box set for people to go through, but then at the same time practice it out. So that with one, I do one-on-one -on -one sessions as well. I don't know what else more to add, just, yeah. What do they look like? One-on-one -on -one sessions? Do you just, whatever comes up or whatever the people are talking about? You, you Yeah, just like Zoom. I talk to people on Zoom and, and, and they go through what they're stuck with, basically. Because it's always the best thing to do is what is someone really... The best thing to do with 
one-on-ones is what is someone suffering with because mm. then that is is the problem mm. or not the problem it's the, what am I, am I not seeing in that and we always unpick it and whatever and then it unravels usually which is nice beautiful work man. thank you okay matt thanks for thanks for joining me thank you thank you for having me it was um really nice to speak to you and um i really love all your other videos as well i think you have a skill in asking questions where it's kind of a genderless it's kind of like you're actually really engaged and interested in the stuff and some of the interviews you've had have brought the best out of people so i'd say carry on with that and just keep going with the channel thanks man appreciate it man cheers